marvellous. Let me just pray. Father God, I just thank you for all the preparation that this man has put into this morning. Lord, I pray that he would just flow in your, in your anointing. Mm -hmm. Bless him now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Right, we're on. Great. So, can you hear me? Got a slight echo. I'm not used to this, but I'm sure I'll get used to it. Right, with speak, I've been invited to speak this morning about David and Goliath, and when Ben gave me the invite, I thought, great, I've got plenty of time to prepare for this. But as always, if you've ever done any preaching before, there's always a panic at the last minute. So I've been locked away for the last two days. I haven't seen any sun or any sunshine. I was going to pop into a tanning saloon and top up my tan, because you can tell I am white as a ghost at the moment, but that's because I've been locked away. So I really felt that song that Andrea and the band were singing. It was, it's that new song, it's fantastic. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And before Ben came up with that word about fear, I really felt that the Lord wanted to minister into fear this morning and set, set anyone free who's struggling against fear, however, whatever that fear may be. It might be a fear of public speaking, for instance. It might be a fear of doing your exams. It might be a fear of speaking with someone. So just think about it as I bring God's word. If God's putting his finger on a fear or any fears in your life, do not hesitate to come forward at the end for prayer ministry. We will pray, pray for you. So I might have to whiz through this because I'm typically with me, I really get stuck into the word of God and I really go deep. I suddenly come out of it and I think, whoa, I've got too much here. So I've got a lot of material and I will skip some of it, but it's all going to be available on the podcast, I believe, afterwards. And um, there's some good material here for you to study as well in your house groups. So what I wanted to do before I start, by the way, my name's Stan, Stan Thompson. I've been here for two years. I've got to know most of you, but not all of you yet. And I just want to pray God's blessing upon you. And if, if you are a guest here, I say welcome to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, if you're not a Christian, I say to you welcome in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. My biggest fear before I came, became a Christian was to walk through the doors of a church. It was really difficult. And the first time I did it was a Christmas service, I think, with my mother. Um, we went to church. It's Paul Miller's church, actually, who you probably remember. And I got to the front door, and there was this massive check in my spirit, and it was fear. It's preventing me going through those doors. I don't know why, but I was just fearful of walking through. But I now know I was actually fearful that God might put his finger on, on me. <laughs> and I was fearful that people might listen to my singing voice. But God has set me free of that fear. So, so whatever your fears are today in your life, God, God, he can set you free. Now, one of my biggest fears was public speaking. When I first started, it was... Gripped me, I tell you, and it almost paralyzed me, but I just had to press through and go and do it because I knew God had called me to do it. So, if there's anyone here who's struggling with anything, please do not hesitate, do not be fearful about coming forward for prayer ministry. So, we're looking at the story of David and Goliath, and we've seen some of the clip. Um, this um, chapter in your newsletters, you've actually been given the reading. There's what, there's that's 11 verses, there's actually 53 verses altogether in 1 Samuel 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17. And I would have liked to have read all of the scripture, but it takes 12 minutes, so I just can't do it. So I'm just going to dip into it and out of it, and um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. So what I want to do is pick up the story 
Are we working? Can we work? Can you, can you put it forward? Okay, I'll just need to check this. This isn't working. Was that me, David? Okay, yeah, if, if you can go, go forward one, please. <clears throat> Could you go forward one, Dave? I'll, I'll start reading anyway. I'm reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines, named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Then in verse 6 it says that he had a bronze armour on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spear head weighed 600 shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. Verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. Then on verse 10, the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then we jump down to verse 16. It says that the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. I just want to check if this is... Is this working, guys? Yeah, okay, I'll keep going. So a question I had was how tall was Goliath? He's actually... The scholars reckon he's 9 feet 9 inches. I do have a measuring tape, but I think it's about the height of that, possibly bigger, and it is huge. If you stand under it, you'll see how big he was. It is... It is, I think he's a bit bigger than that, so you can see right up his nostrils. <laughs> so um, I used to play rugby and cricket and um, football. My strength was really football, but when I played um, rugby, I used to have a tactic, get the big guys. Two of us would go for him, one with the legs, one, one with the body, and it's the only way we could bring him down. So, so um, yeah, that's how we dealt with the Goliaths in, on the rugby field, just smash into them, but... They, well, we, they would come with their strength. You need to come against them where they're weak. So we want to go on the side and one on the other side. So anyway, so he's about nine feet, nine inches. And what I felt in terms of preparing a structure f for this sermon, I really um, I was in prayer and I really felt the Lord impress upon me to focus on three things. First of all, fear. Why, and ask the question, why is Saul the anointed king of Israel so fearful of Goliath and faith. Why is David, a mere shepherd boy, so bold, brave and fearless? Now many of you will know your Bibles well, so you know the answers to those, but I'm going to go through it and uh, just bring out some um, key issues that God wanted to put his finger on as I was studying. 
And the third thing was to have time for personal application and ministry so that any of us can be set free from fear and refilled with the boldness of God. And we can go forth like David um, and yeah, deal with the Goliaths in our lives. In fact, let Jesus deal with the Goliaths in our lives. He will set us free. So we haven't got the slides. I'm really sorry about that. But I have some uh, really good pictures. There we go. Right, let's see if this works. Okay, if you can keep going to the first picture, if possible. Yep, great, here we go. So we're picking up the story at 1 Samuel 17, 11, and it's when Saul and all Israel heard the words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. So my question is, why was Saul so fearful? Did Saul not remember his own battle record? If we can have the next slide. So his battle record has been pretty good. In fact, it's been very successful. We find, and you'll find these, this battle record in 1 Samuel chapter 11 through to 15. And I'm just looking at his battle record before chapter 17, before that confrontation with Goliath. And he, he has defeated the Amorites at Jabesh Gilead, and that was his first battle. That's where the spirit of the sovereign God came upon him. And with the help of Samuel, he went and defended this town against the Amorites. And he, 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 the way he led, he brought the fear of God upon the people of Israel, all the tribes. He threatened all the tribes, basically. If you don't come and fight um, these enemies, we will do to you what we're going to do um, to the enemy. So they all came, and they had a fear of the Lord, and he won the first battle. So he showed great bravery, boldness, and leadership. And then in chapter 13 through to 46, he, Saul fights the Philistines uh, for the first time, and um, he wins that battle. He's not quite so confident, but he does win it with the help of his son, and there's a little bit of help of the Lord in terms of an earthquake, minor tremblings, and stroke fear into the Philistines, and they legged it. So Saul, two battles, two, two victories. And then we read in chapter 14, verse 47, that Saul has a number of victories against Moab, Ammon, Edom, the kings of Zobah, and then the Philistines again. And then 14, 48... Well, first Samuel, he uh, fights the Amalekites. And then in chapter 15, he's commanded by God to go to Amalek and destroy the Amalekites. Now, he was successful in battle, but we're going to come back to that. He wasn't quite fully obedient to God, and there were consequences to that. So we could have the next slide, please. So my question, why was King Saul so fearful of Goliath? Did he also not remember how God struck fear in the land of the Philistines after they had captured the Ark of God? Yeah, please. So what I've circled here, and in your newsletter you've got this wonderful colourful map, if you can't quite see that. Uh, these are the five cities of the Philistines. We have Ekron, Gath, Gath, Ashdod, Ashkelon and Gath. And many scholars believe the Philistines came in from Crete um, around about the 12th century, BC, 12th or 13th century BC. But as I've tracked through the Bible, there's an account of the Philistines, King Ambilek, I think it was, in the time of Abraham. So there were, there were some further, further south, but the main body of the Philistines seemed to have come over from, the, from um, Crete um, later on in the 12th century. And if you, if you do a Bible study on Philistine, you, you can track it all the way back to Genesis chapter 10. You'll see how they are, 
how they are related to Noah. They're about four or five generations. The father of the Philistines is there. So, so his, his battle record is very successful. So, um, and also, which one are we on now? Yeah, God strikes fear into the Philistines. So we read about that in chapters 4 through to verses 6 and then chapter 7 as well. And we find that the Philistines captured the Ark of God after they defeated Israel in battle. What Israel was perplexed by this battle and what it didn't realise, the hand of God was in that defeat. Because the sons of Eli died. God had pronounced judgment against the sons of Eli. And when Eli heard the news, he died. And he died partly because his sons had died, but also mainly because the Ark of God had been captured. Then the Ark of God was in the land of the Philistines for seven months, and they discovered that the God that the Israelites serve is an almighty God. He is to be feared, and he really is. So their own God, called Dagon, in in the temple in Ashdod, could not stand in his presence. He would be a huge, gigantic structure, probably filling the top of this room, and there was a couple of t- twice he, he fell down in the presence of the Ark of God. And after seven months, the Philistines, that many of them were plagued, they were killed, and eventually they got the message, let my people go. Sorry, let my Ark go. <laughs> so they decided to send the Ark back to Israel, and then we, then we find in the Scriptures that Samuel comes to the fore as the judge in Israel. And in his days, all of his days, um, in chapter 17, we're at his latter days, but prior to that, all of his days, that God subdued the Philistines in the land of Israel. And they'd actually won back in battle the land of Gath and Ekron, but obviously towards the end of his, his uh, period as judge, they've lost those cities again. So, um, next slide, please. So, why was Saul so fearful? Did he not remember God's covenant promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? How God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, Lord, I was not known to them. I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan and the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. And then I haven't put this on up there, but there's... Uh, there's an account in the start of Judges in chapter 3 where it says that the Philistines were only left in the land by God's permission. It was about 500 years after the Exodus and for around about 450 years throughout the book of Judges we find that under one judge Israel will serve God and, and then when he dies Israel decides to serve the foreign gods and they come into captivity and under the oppression of the people that serve that God, they cry out to God, they're delivered, they get a judge, and the cycle repeats. They, they're double-minded. As a, throughout their history, there's, there's a double-mindedness about to serve God or not to serve him. And there's a constant challenge in the Scriptures to the Israelites, and it's a challenge to us. Will we serve God with all of our hearts? I'm sure you will. And um, so, why did Saul not know that God had only given the Philistines permission to be in the land? Why did he not know that they were there to test Israel, whether they would serve God or not? Why did he not see this battle, this confrontation from Goliath? Why did he not see it as a challenge to honour God, as a challenge 
to reveal that he will serve the living God with all of his heart, mind and soul. I'm going to dig a bit deeper into the scriptures. I'm going to have to miss some of them. But to show you that there was an issue in his heart that prevented him from having that boldness and bravery. And it was an issue. Well, I'll come, come to that shortly. So we can have the next slide, Joshua. There we go. So again, answering the question, why was Saul so fearful? Did, and did he not remember God's charge to Joshua, chapter 1, verse 9? How God, this is God speaking to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Why then, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, why then was Saul so afraid and so dismayed? Did he not remember the keys that God gave to Joshua for success? And by giving them to Joshua, God's given those keys to everyone within Israel and all the descendants hundreds of years later, thousands of years later, these are the same keys. They're the same keys for us today. In the New Testament language, it's called abiding in, in, in Jesus. So Joshua, so the keys were Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. So if you're struggling with any issues, this is a key. Do have a look at those scriptures in your own private time. So we can have the next slide, please. So did Saul... I've got a bit of a forensic mind. I'm an ex-auditor, and I like to look at the evidence and put a case together. So what I'm building here is a bit of a case. So, did Saul not remember that the same God who executed judgment against the false gods of Egypt and plagued and killed the Egyptians until Pharaoh agreed to let God's people go is the same God who struck down the idolatrous image of the false god Dagon at Ashdod and plagued and killed the people of Ashdod, Ekron, Gath, Gaza and Ashkelon until... The five lords of the Philistines, in fear of their lives, commanded that the ark of God be sent back to Israel. So, as we've seen, Saul's battle record so far has been good. Four major battles, four victories, and a number of successful skirmishes. And he had, through success on the battlefield, established his sovereignty over Israel. My question then, why was Saul so fearful of the Philistine. Why had Saul dithered and delayed for 40 days? Why had he allowed the voice of Goliath, so his voice is spreading fear, why had he allowed the voice of Goliath to go unchallenged for 40 consecutive days? Goliath's voice has struck fear into the hearts of the men of Israel. How can a whole army be frightened of one man, even if he is as tall as that? One man, a whole army, in fear of him. I believe it's because the king was fearful. That fear has spread down to the army. So why had Saul not taken up the challenge to fight Goliath himself? He was, after all, God's anointed king. He was the tallest man in Israel, and he had his own armour. 
in terms of his height, he was head and shoulders above everyone else in Israel. I'm guessing here, but I would assume he's a couple of feet shorter than Goliath. Um, the tallest man that's ever been recorded in the Guinness Book of Rep Records is Robert Wadlow, who's from America. He was, died when he was 22, but he was 8 feet 8 inches. I thought, well, that's not 9 feet 9 inches. So I was looking for, you know, what, what is 9 feet 9 inches? I, I saw a grizzly bear. I saw a picture of a grizzly bear. It's 9 feet 3 inches. That's, so this man is huge. But why would he strike? Why would a whole army be in fear of him? So Saul's first battle... He defeated the Amorites, and, it, and there's a key here, that the Spirit of God came upon Saul and stirred him to action. And it was through the stirring of the Spirit of God that Saul was bold, brave, and courageous. And through his leadership, Israel had victory. So where was Saul's bold, brave, and courageous leadership now? Where was his faith in the power of the Lord God Almighty in the face of Goliath's challenge. At his first battle, he had been inspired and empowered by the Spirit of God, but he also had the prophet Samuel by his side. I'm sure he was you know, encouraging him and egging him on. Now, and Saul, after the battle, he praised God for accomplishing salvation in Israel. So where now was his great faith? Where was his inspirational leadership? What had happened to him? Well, there were two key turning points in Saul's life. The first one we read about in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 through to 15, which he committed an unlawful sacrifice at Gigal. He was waiting for Samuel to come and sacrifice to God because a huge, a massive Philistine army was gathering at a place called Michmash not too far away, further south. But as the people were fleeing in fear, Saul felt compelled, not by the Spirit, but by fear. He felt compelled to offer an unlawful sacrifice. And when Samuel arrived, he was not a happy man. Saul had disobeyed God by committing that unlawful sacrifice. And we discover that the kingdom would be taken away from Saul. It would not continue. I looked at some scholars on this. They think at this point, there's two judgments of God against Saul. This is the first one. This one was a judgment against him having a dynasty. That's the interpretation of many of his scholars. Um, so his, Jonathan would not inherit the kingdom. Um, but the second one, which I'm coming to in First Samuel chapter 15, he loses the kingdom. So whether it's the same judgment, um, yeah, I don't think the scholars are quite clear enough for me to bring that clarity. But that God has definitely judged his authority as king. Let me just say, I don't think Saul ever lost his faith. There was a faith there. It, was, it became a weak faith. But he lost the authority to fulfill the destiny that God had put on his life. And the reason for that is he disobeyed God, both at Gigal and at Amalek. Now, Amalek had ambushed Israel 500 years earlier on the, on the way, on the Exodus, as they left Egypt, and God was not very happy, and he swore that he would utterly destroy Amalek. And it was now 500 years later that Samuel 
came to Saul and commanded him in the name of the Lord to go and utterly destroy Amalek and everything that they owned. Now Saul destroyed all the people, but he left the king alive. And he, he left the best of the livestock alive. And he explained himself to Samuel that the reason he did that, he feared the people. So fear drove in his decision-making. Now, I'll just try to summarise what basically quite a few slides, and we're going to skip these. So if you can go, where I'll go to the next one. God had, like, like, let me just say, God had been prepared to establish Saul's kingdom forever, but now his kingdom should not continue. 1 Samuel chapter 13. And God would raise up a man after his own heart. This is what we're about to see. So we go to the next one. So Prophet Samuel disappears from the scene after chapter 13. He then reappears at the start of chapter 15 with this word from the Lord. So we go to the next one. So I said Amalek had offended God. This is the judgment of God coming. By the way, if God gives a prophecy, we're not going to live 500 years. If it's a personal prophecy and if it's really from God, he will deliver. He will deliver however long it takes. It may not be in our timing, but he will deliver. So we can have the next one. So, yeah, the key fact here is Saul's act of disobedience was rooted in a fear of man. And it drove his decision-making. So, we can go to the next one. Okay, I just want to emphasise what Samuel had said to Saul after he won his first victory, and then he was publicly commissioned as king. And this is what Samuel said to Saul and all the people. Do not fear. Serve the Lord with all of your hearts. Only Fear the Lord. Now that's a healthy fear. It's not destructive fear. It's a choice to, you know, be fearful in a reverent way of the Lord and to serve him in truth and with all of your hearts. So that's in 1 Samuel chapter 12. So we can skip the next one. I just want to, so that Saul's actions revealed that he'd chosen not to fear the Lord. He'd chosen not to serve the Lord. And he had, this is a key point, he had allowed fear to grip his heart and it controlled his thinking. It controlled his decision-making and it cost him the kingdom. This is why fear needs to be rooted out of our hearts because whatever promises God has given us, we don't want fear to destroy that. We want to be bold, brave and courageous. So, and what may come as a surprise is that fear became the controlling influence in Saul's life despite the fact that the Spirit of God had come upon him two years earlier, uh, just before, uh, two years before the unlawful sacrifice at Gigal. So we can have the next one. So now, after rebelling against God and rejecting the word of the Lord, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 15, rejecting the word of the Lord, the Spirit of God left Saul. And he was now troubled by a dis- distressing spirit. By allowing the fear of man to rule and reign in his heart, Saul had opened himself up, I believe, to a paralysis of thought and indecision. He couldn't make up his mind. Fear was preventing him. Do I challenge Goliath? Do I not? Fear had paralysed his thinking. And we see this at work in the face of the challenge posed by Goliath. And so 40 days Saul had allowed Goliath to go unchallenged, to spread fear and intimidation, and God had had enough yeah. God had had enough and he was about to act through a young shepherd boy who as a boy and as a man 
He became a man after God's own heart. And this is what God had promised, that he'd raise up someone after his own heart. Now, we know David went on to make mistakes, but he, it was genuine repentance that led um, to him being forgiven and his kingdom not being um, destroyed. So God was pleased with David. He was pleased with the condition of his heart. And this is the young man, a young shepherd boy. Now, he was not intimidated by a giant of a man. There was an excitement in his heart when he appeared on the scene. He ran to the battlefront. He went to see his brothers. And, he, and he, he was so excited. He wasn't actually in the army. He was a shepherd boy. But he knew his identity. He knew that he was in a covenant relationship with God Almighty. And he had a great faith in the Lord to deliver him from his enemies. And he knew that after Samuel had anointed him with oil at Bethlehem, that God Almighty had chosen him for a special task. His name was David, and the Spirit of the Lord was now upon him. And he knew it. That's where his confidence came from. Yeah. So King Saul and the men of Israel might, might have been afraid of Goliath, but not David. We read that David was indignant. And he says in 1 Samuel 17, 26, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That's a statement of his identity, because he knows he's in a covenant relationship with God. And this uncircumcised Philistine is not. How dare he? And this is what he says. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So there was no fear in David's heart. He had his own successful battle record. He had killed both lion and bear. Now who was this Goliath in the face in comparison to the fierceness of a lion and a bear? Now David's boldness and confident faith in God was infectious. And it rubbed off. It rubbed off on Saul. Guess what? His thinking was liberated from fear. All of a sudden, he made a decision, a key decision, and he authorized David. Now, God's hand was in this. He authorized David, go and the Lord be with you, he said, in verse 37. So, it's time for David to do battle, but not with Saul's armor. He had not tested it. He had his own tried and tested armor. And this is his armour. It's a staff. It's five smooth stones. It's a shepherd's bag and a sling. That was David's armour. But above all, his greatest weapon, his greatest armour, was his faith in the Lord God Almighty. Because David became a champion, but he was in submission to a bigger champion, and that was God Almighty. And he was allowing God to fight his battles. Now the Philistine disdained David and cursed him by his gods. But David was not intimidated. Who are these gods? They're just, they're just idols. They have no voice. They have no ears. They cannot speak. They cannot do. They cannot create. They are stupid, man-made gods. David was not impressed. David was bold, brave, and fearless. And he said to Goliath, You come to me with sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. He wasn't frightened of this mere mortal. So battle commences, and we know what happens. The spear is thrown, the sword is drawn, but David is, is getting the old sling going. 
And David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine and killed him. And the men of Judah and faith at this point comes to Israel. And then the men of and fearlessness is vanquished from them. And the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. The champion had been killed. Israel had a new champion. And this proved what David said. The battle is indeed the Lord's. And, put a note here, and all the earth has indeed come to know that there is a God in Israel. The fact that we have this story, this historical narrative before us today is proof of the boldness, bravery and fearlessness of David and proof that he was inspired to speak as God would have him speak because we indeed know that there is a God in Israel. And this God is the true and the living God. He is the eternal and the sovereign God. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the King of kings. And his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, how about you? Are you facing any giants? Is there any fear in your life? Are you frightened of any men? I hope we haven't got any New Zealanders, have we? (laughs) Are you fearful of man? Are you fearful of public speaking? Are you fearful of resitting your exams? Is there just any fear niggling away in your heart from which you need to be set free? So I believe God wants to set you free. He really does. So we're going to have a time of prayer ministry. So if you'd like to come forward um, for prayer, please do not hesitate. Please come. But also, I just want to say, um, this is going out on podcasts, isn't it? So if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, and you're here today or listening onto the podcast, I just want to say that there is a battle raging for your soul. Jesus said in Mark 8, chapter 3, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. What profit, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? So if you're not a Christian, there's got to come a point in your life where you think, is all of this worth it? <laughs> what is this all about? You can get to the top of the ladder and still find an emptiness in your soul. If you're not a Christian, so if you're not a Christian, if you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and if you are unsure what to believe, then you are in danger. I have a responsibility before the Lord God Almighty to warn you, as gently as I can and as politely as I can, that you are in danger of losing the battle for your soul. But the good news, if you don't turn to Jesus, but the good news is that Jesus has already won that battle for you. He has defeated the biggest giant in your life, and that is the fear of death. I was impressed a couple of weeks ago, Ben really... Uh, in the ministry time, really focused on, on the fear of death. And, and he mentioned that there were two deaths. There are indeed two deaths. And it, Ben knows his Bible very well. And the second death is mentioned in the book of Revelation. I'll put the scriptures up there for you. So Jesus has delivered us from the fear of spiritual damnation. The fear of what may happen at the judgment seat of God if we do not have a saviour and, and if we do not have the advocate called the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. I saw this week a lady in, in the news, um, the uh, terrorist attacks in 2017 in Westminster Bridge, young, beautiful young lady, 
And she said, she, she didn't get injured or anything, but she was caught up in it. She said, fear just gripped me. She said, it gripped my whole being. And she was shaking like that, and even a year later. So don't, my, my encouragement for you is don't wait until the last minute to decide whether you want to follow Jesus or not. Because there will come a moment in your life, whether you know it or not, where fear will grip you if you do not know him as your Lord and Saviour. Now, my mum's led a few people to faith in Christ on their deathbeds, but she's, she's seen how some people react against fear. At that moment. So don't let fear stop you from accepting Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. He offers you the gift of eternal life, but you must respond. So if you're here today, come see me, Ben, the leadership afterwards. I have a few tracks that may help you. Um, but also, what I want to do now, um, Ben, if that's okay, is to... For, any, for my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're struggling with any fears today, I would invite you to come and um, receive some prayer ministry. And as Ben closes, I'm sure he, he, he know how to do that. Obviously not used to doing this, but I just wanted to remind you what the Apostle Paul said, that he has warned us that fear is an ever-present danger. And we might be saved, but we need to be on guard against fear creeping into our hearts. Now, now Paul, the Apostle Paul said, we did not, in Romans 8, 15, we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And in 2 Timothy, he reminded Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Jesus said, if we abide in his word, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall make us free. So if you need to be set free from any fear today, I would, as Ben closes, invite you to um, come forth for prayer ministry. Amen. Thank you, Stan. Um, I think it's really important. Um, I didn't know where Stan was going to land um, in terms of bringing out this story. Um, but freedom from fear is, pick, is something we've picked up all morning. Um, and I believe God has orchestrated that. So I, I would like the um, ministry team to come out and be available. And if fear is gripping you, yeah, then come and be free. Come and be free. Yeah, God does not want us to live in, in fear. Look how it shaped Saul. Look how it drove his decision making. So if I can ask the ministry team to come out now you are men and women of faith yeah that will be infectious okay the infectious people you know and if you really have fear gripping your life then be free god doesn't want you to live that way he does not want you to live that way so we're going to close now but don't don't lose it yeah go and enjoy tea and coffee come and tell me if you're a man that you're coming to the car beach lunch next week um, and we will look forward to seeing you throughout the week but if you have fear in your life then just come to the front and these wonderful people would love to pray for you and see you be free have a wonderful afternoon we'll see you in the week and we'll see you next week when Carl will come and share God's word as well bless you as you go thank you